Okay, so let's say good morning to another guy we love. Uh, Tim Hudak is here on the Morning Brief, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. Good morning, sir. Good morning, John Moore. Putting me in the Christmas spirit here this morning. Very much so. You know, I'm, I'm, I was saying yesterday that I'm in a really good mood, and I think I will be until Friday, and then there's still two days to get ready for Christmas, so it's fantastic. So we sat down, we, I'm sounding like I'm part of the royal family, I sat down with the <laughs> chief of police yesterday. I have to say, I kind of like his style. And my question for our pundits this morning is, earlier in the year, we talked an awful lot about how there was this kind of malaise in the city, you know, that people were uncomfortable. There was trash all over the place. There were people who seemed to be very threatening at times. There's encampments and all of those things are still present. But my question is, do you feel safer now than you did, say, in the spring? Yeah, you made me think about this. So, you know, I, I, I've not had a car stolen in about five months. So I guess <laughs> I'm feeling, you know, a bit better. But, you know, then I think about the question a bit deeper. But, uh, you know, I've got now had to revert to 1980s technology with a, a club on my car. We've got the clunker that, that blocks in the better car every night. Deb and I go through that ritual. And, and Debbie, on her way down, she's she's uh, guest hosting the uh, Jerry Agar show today, yeah. um, is taking Uber because she's afraid to park uh, in, in the neighborhood. So... On the margins uh, only. I, I think, you know, I, I still won't let my, my teenage daughter uh, go on the subway without uh, an adult uh, supervision. The attacks by, you know, attributed to the homeless on the subways are down, but we're heading into winter and they go back inside. So only on the margins, but certainly, John, feel a lot unsafe, my family does, than they did, say, two or more years ago. Okay, good to know. Um, I find this fascinating whenever people are asked, where would you rank yourself in terms of what class you feel that you're in? And the overwhelming majority of people say that they are middle class. And for me, Tim, and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this, particularly because you're an economist, but I find that to sort of represent an aspirational aspect of low-income earners and a certain shamefulness amongst people who make a lot of money. Yeah, I think you're right on on both ends, right? People will define themselves as middle class because that's what you want to get to, or even if you be considered wealthy, um, <laughs> there's a stigma to that, right? And my 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 youngest daughter Maitland asked that question, you know, quite a bit. She's learning about this, you know, what class are we in? And Deb and I would say, you know, definitely uh, middle class. It's interesting in the survey that um, the number of folks in the middle class identifying that way actually has increased over the last nine years. Uh, until now. And I really think there are two drivers, which are, you know, common features on more in the morning. Number one is the affordability crisis. We, we had a, a spike uh, in, uh, in interest rates, which increased borrowing costs that are dramatically impacting the bottom line of the middle class. Salaries are not keeping up. So people are feeling that question. You see that even 15% of the middle class aren't keeping up with day-to-day expenses, let alone having some savings for the kids for college or university or a nice family vacation. And number two, buying a home, right? I mean, that is a driver of, of our character. Many people would say, you know, what's the middle class involved? Well, it's owning your own home. And the affordability crisis with fewer homes on the market and higher costs to buy a home has actually made that deeper. And every time, John, when I, I, I meet new people, I tell them what they do. Top question is, how could my son or daughter, who did everything right, played by the rules, get in the housing market? Those are the two clear drivers that undermine the security of the middle class in our country.
Okay, speaking of housing, interesting story today, and this is totally in your wheelhouse, about how Cambridge, a city councillor, wants to figure out how to uh, build residential construction over city parking. Yeah, love it. Love it. I, I got to reach out to this um, Professor Doucette from, uh, from Waterloo uh, on, on this article, and uh, we'll follow what's happening in Cambridge closely. It makes tremendous amount of sense. And it's sadly, John, an underutilized tool when it comes to getting more affordable homes on the market, whether you own them or, or rentals. The largest landowner in our province, by a long shot, is government. We have government buildings and properties that are either abandoned or underutilized in every city across our province, whether from Toronto to Thunder Bay. And governments have an incredible capacity then to use that land, because governments will be around forever, uh, to to lease that to the private sector and then control the types of homes that we build. I'd love to see a project here in Ontario, and Premier Ford has talked about this, love to see them get moving on it, where you use provincial land and, and target the housing on it to first-time home buyers. Look, John, Mayor Bloomberg did this in New York City. He built 160,000 homes for the middle class and rentals in, in areas like Manhattan. And, and if they can do that using government land and long-term leases in New York City, surely to goodness we could do this here. And you can go farther, not only you know, abandoned buildings, you'll see government hopefully shrink its footprint in a hybrid work environment. So you could move some of those buildings into housing. And why not also build above the TTC, build above yep. GO stations as well? You know, when, when you, this shocks me. When I, when I go past the Crosstown, there's many shocking things about Crosstown, I know. But when you see they have one-story you know, glass subway stations, they look nice. But holy smokes, could we not build above them and build homes people could actually afford? You know what, though? One of the untold stories is a whole bunch of those crosstown subway stations are modular. And the idea was there wasn't enough time to figure out how, like, you know, can we find a builder who's going to put up a condo here? So they they put up these um, current stations, and in the future they can be incorporated into a condo tower. Hey, there you go. Well, that's happy news because it makes so much sense. We live in Canada. It's cold out now. We're in December. I think a lot of people would like to live above a subway or a TTC station, help get to work and leave the, the boots and the coat behind. Our friend uh, Robert Benzie at the Toronto Star writing today about how a new poll suggests that uh, Doug Ford is vulnerable when it comes to Bonnie Crombie. I don't know how vulnerable. I mean, we don't have an election until 2026. So, you know, does this really matter? Yeah, so... I, I, I think there's truth here, but I don't think they're connecting the dots uh, in the right way. So let me let me talk about two aspects of the poll. You know, I, I remember talking to you and and predicting that Bonnie Crombie before the race came open would be a very strong catch for the Ontario Liberals. I mean, she represents the third largest city in Ontario uh, and a strong swing area that you pretty much have to win in Peel to form government in our province. Secondly, she's experienced and successful, both at a national level and a local level. And I've known her for, man, 25 years or so. A lot of charisma, personality, and energy, right? So that helps you cut through on the communication side. I, I thought in this recent campaign, she came across a bit thin-skinned. She took the bait, you know, too often. Uh, not a strong campaign, but the underlying fundamentals are strong. That that's why that's more of a threat than what you can read into a single poll. But this does underscore, I think, a... a a vulnerability for the Ford government. I mean, Doug Ford, even though he comes from a family and himself a very successful business person, was seen as a man of the people. I mean, it's electric. I, I saw both Rod Ford and Doug Ford, you know, in large crowds working the room. 
and it just naturally connects as a man that cares about the average guy on the street, right? But that is at risk. And we picked this up in our, our own polling, which your listeners can see at orea.com, orea.com, uh, around the housing crisis. And, and sadly, despite putting a lot of good policies forward, uh, only 13% thought that the current government was doing enough to get homes built. So the big takeaway for me, uh, an emerging vulnerability uh, on the Doug Ford brand, moving away from being about the people and not getting things done. And not a lot of time on the clock, but quick thoughts on uh, whether or not the Pope is uh, breaking new ground in saying that priests can bless a gay union. It may not seem like it, but this, this is kind of a radical change yeah, for the Catholic yeah. Church. Right? It's a 2,000-year-old institution, so their their rule book may, may, be, a bit, uh, may be a bit dated. But this, um, uh, well, let me say it this way, John. I mean, as, as a Catholic involved in our local Catholic school, as the chair of the, the parent council, I see this. There's politics. There's big game politics, like the provincial, national level, the city level, and then there is church politics. So there'll be a lot of outrage about this, but a welcome step forward by this pope that is plowing uh, new ground. And this is actually a significant change for the Catholic Church. Yeah, and I'm thinking something only a Jesuit could do. Thanks a lot for this. Good to have you. Have a great day, John. Tim Hudak is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association.